Welcome back, Seahawks fans, to another episode of the Seahawks Nest Podcast. I'm your host, Nathan Santo, joined, as always, by the Bumblebee, to my Optimus Prime, it's Kevin Garber. Kevin, how you doing? Beep. Beep, beep, indeed. Yeah, you... Sorry, you, my voice thing is broken. We're going to... It's the beginning of the podcast. Exactly. I have to wait until three podcasts into the season, and then I can talk. And then people are going to hate your voice when they hear it. <laughs> our very own, and our very own, Huffer. It's Eric Ronnebeck. Eric, how you doing? Oh, but Prime, I don't want to fight. <laughs> yeah, so... Uh, <laughs> the, the intro for this podcast, Nathan's always like, Eric, what's the worst Transformer? And of course, he goes to the expert. And I went Huffer. He's a uh, he's an orange truck smaller than Optimus Prime, and his courage is like a 1 out of 10. <laughs> so anytime there was a battle, he was smaller, and he'd be like, oh, but Prime, I don't, I don't know. So uh, thanks for that. He was like the... <laughs> He was like the cowardly lion of the uh, Transformers. Hey, uh, huh? Before we get started, I don't know how many people know about our double podcast we recorded last week, but I thought it was really crummy how you guys edited in that I thought Tanner McAvoy was going to make this team. <laughs> <laughs> I'm, I'm, uh, I'm offended by it. So. Uh, so, uh, so we understand that you empathize with uh, tall, talentless white guys. Hey, man, uh, he's better than Luke Wilson, and Luke Wilson was on the team for years. Yeah, you're, Tell me you're wrong. You're right about that. All right, so let's be, so since you brought it up, let's let's go right to wide receivers. Uh, the Seahawks wide receivers played pretty good in this game. I thought we saw a lot from Brandon Marshall, who uh, got three receptions for 34 yards. Uh, he got only two of his yards after catch, so uh, we didn't see much uh, yak attack, but he has very strong possession receivers. Uh, Marcus Johnson had a good catch. Keenan Reynolds had three nice – he played a, a nice Doug Baldwin light with the ones this game. Um, so what 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 wide receivers are impressing you right now, Eric? What wide receivers think got the best chance to make this team? Uh, honestly, Keenan Reynolds proved I think that he's probably gonna mm, not shouldn't say probably that he has a, a good chance to make this team. I, I think he's fighting for that last roster spot now. Yeah, it's if it depends on if you want a backup slot receiver or not. Right. Um, if Baldwin's not ready for Week One, I think Keenan Reynolds has a really good I was shot to say, be like, like yeah, that he, last guy. He's a guy who, if anything, will make the roster for a couple of games before they're like, eh, you're not ready for the prime time. Also, though, Brandon Marshall. We finally got to see Brandon Marshall do what Brandon Marshall does. Brandon Marshall, definitely ready for prime time. Man, I was. <laughs> it was like a breath of fresh air. Uh, Brandon Marshall, team dad, Brandon Marshall. <laughs> <laughs> Pretty much. Because uh, so, he just like went full on dad on the cornerbacks for uh, Minnesota. Brandon Marshall looked good. Uh, I thought uh, Keenan Reynolds looked good. Uh, Caleb David Scott Moore got a lot of special. Caleb teams Scott now. gets a lot of credit for that fifty-five yard catch that didn't matter at the end of the game. Uh, <laughs> what about the catches that he didn't make? Those yeah, are the ones I definitely credit. Two, that's one of them, Kevin. Tanner McAvoy dropped his way right off the team. Yeah, Tanner McAvoy responsible for an interception without ever throwing a pass. Yeah, the the um the thing Darbo didn't play again. I'm like really thinking Darbo's not going to make the team at this point. It's going to be hard to give him the spot unless they put him on IR. Like, how do you give him the spot over Marcus Johnson or David Moore at this point? Like, there's just no way in my mind that they can they can justify doing that. No. Nope. Stop him with an injury tag. Make him go away for a season and come back when Marshall's not here next year. I think that's a possibility, but I also think it's likely that he makes a practice squad. Who's going to take him? Yeah, that's... Mm, he's got enough talent, and he has... He had talent for a draft spot, but people has he shown that talent? People will see him as a reclamation project. He ran a four four eight forty at the Combine. Like, he's he's not, like, a bad player by he's any stretch. He's toolsy. Uh, so, okay, so we think Jaron Brown, Jaron Brown, Brandon Marshall, Tyler Lockett are in. 
Doug is in if he makes the roster. That leaves one or two spots, depending on if we keep five or six receivers. In my opinion, all of these guys need to bring something to the table on special teams. Otherwise, you're not going to make the team, especially from this point on, because Marshall and Doug are never going to play on special teams. Jaron Brown might show up on some kickoffs and punt coverage. Lockett, they think they're not going to use him on special teams either to try to save him because he keeps getting injured. Or he'll be the Ferrari. You know? So, mm. uh, what do you, what do you think? Do you, David Moore, Marcus Johnson, Keenan Reynolds pick two? I think Cyril Grayson didn't show enough as a wide receiver to make it. I think as a returner, he's good enough, but as a wide receiver, he's just not there yet compared to these three guys. So, pick two. Johnson, Reynolds, Moore, Kevin. Cool. Alright. I think that Moore showed the most promise as a returner, so he could be J.J. McKissick's backup. I also think that he showed the best ability as an outside receiver. So, if I'm picking one, I'm picking Moore. If I'm picking two, I'm probably picking Moore and Reynolds, because I feel like Johnson hasn't shown that he can play in the slot. He hasn't shown that he has enough versatility in the middle of the field. I also have Moore and Reynolds. Uh, it comes down to Johnson's mobility and his versatility. Yeah, um, I'm going to go. If I'm going to go with Moore and Reynolds because they've been the two guys that return kicks in the last game. I think other than Grayson. If Marcus Johnson had the ability to turn, turn kicks, I'd actually take him over David Moore at this point. I think that they're, that Marcus Johnson has better physical tools, in my opinion, and David Moore has better receiving skills. And um, as a guy we're developing as a backup, I think I'd take the guy that's more toolsy. But... Uh, doesn't matter. I mean, I could also see us taking Moore and Johnson and letting if uh, Baldwin's going to be healthy, especially, and then letting Baldwin and Lockett split the slot. Yeah. Um, the thing about that is, is that, and we're all assuming this that that they cut Darbo at this point, right? I think that I think they're going to have to do something with Darbo, but I don't think he makes the final roster. What is the rule with injury uh, uh, proclamations? Because we've we've suggested this before. To, to they the, could do it up to, to the, the last coach. minute. It has to be an injury that theoretically could be nagging, which he's at this had. point it is nagging. So the thing about Darbo is, it's just he's had he has a huge opportunity here, and he just can't stay on the field. Yep, like this is a big opportunity for him to like prove that he deserves to be in the team. And these other guys are showing up. It's not like these other guys are coming out here and just not doing anything. If the team keeps Darbo over like David Moore, it's obvious that or in Marcus Johnson, it's no obvious compete. they. They saw something in practice, you know, because this, we're not seeing it in the preseason games. So I'm not saying that he he could make the team and that he's maybe he's great in practice. Not sure. Okay, anyway, running back. There are five guys for five spots. Uh, Carson, Penny, Davis, McKissick, ProSize. Um, what did you guys see from these five guys uh, this week that, that you liked? Uh, I like that CJ ProSize is still on the field. Oh my that's, gosh! Yes, honestly, yeah. that's it's kind of a joke. But he was it's so good truth. blocking too. He's such a good blocker. Yeah, I don't. He looks. I don't know, man. You can tell me I'm just crazy, but he looks a little. I don't know. He looks a little bigger. That's a dumb thing to say because he looks still like the same guy. It's because he's upright. Honestly, I know you're not used to seeing it. That but could be it. He's Kevin. standing vertically on the field and playing football. I will say he carries himself with a a more sturdy front. How's that? Procise had four rushes for 18 yards, nine yards after contact. He he blocked really well in the past game at the end of the game in the two minute drill with Magoo. Uh, I thought that yeah, I'm really impressed by Procise, and I'm glad that he's finally gonna get a chance to show it on the field. It's very exciting for me. And we uh, got to we got to see him all over the. All over the game, as opposed to just with, like the first team. Right? Yeah, they were able to split them out wide a couple of times uh, when they went to, with empty backfield sets. They put them in the slot. It was nice to see them utilize that ability that he has as a former wide receiver. Right. So I, yeah, I'm excited. He looks like honestly, he looks like McKissick with more upside right now, which is what he was. Which supposed is what we to be. wanted. To be. Yeah, yeah, so, he looks like our best third down back. 
Davis and Carson both both played, uh, and I thought that um, Carson was good. Uh, he had one really bad drop that kind of dragged him down in my mind, but the other, but he had two catches for 14 yards. He looked good in the run game. He averaged three yards after contact. Uh, d- you know, Mike Davis did Mike Davis stuff. You know, he just ran really hard and, and did, his best, solid. did his best. I don't, I don't think Mike Davis is ever going to be like a premier running back, but if he's your fifth running back and he's providing good depth, I think he's a really serviceable NFL player and I'm glad he's on our team. Uh, he definitely brings something to the table in that regard. We're keeping Madden, right? Uh, we're keeping Madden or or the new guy uh, who because Madden didn't play any snaps in the last game. No, that was a little surprising. Daniel Marks played yeah. everything, but I think it's because we just signed him and we wanted to see what we had. Yeah. So my opinion is that those guys are battling out for a fullback spot, and we're gonna have to keep a fullback. So I'm guessing we'll see a lot of fullback snaps in game four. So right now we're at five five running backs or six running backs if we include the tight end, and we're at six wide receivers. Fullback, yeah. Which well, means which means we're gonna have to go light elsewhere, guys. So let's see quarterback. Yeah. You two. think two quarterbacks? We all agree. Um, and Magoo's going to take it. He's just looked better. Austin Davis has looked terrible in the preseason. Yeah, the only reason to keep Davis is if they just have confidence he knows the system and they think Magoo will clear waivers. But at this point, I'm not confident Magoo would clear waivers. He seems like a good developmental project for a team that has an open roster spot. He wouldn't clear waivers, but also, uh, uh, I've already forgot his name. Davis. Uh, Austin Davis. Davis. Thank you, Austin Davis. Uh, handsome face. I think he would clear waivers and. Keep him on the practice squad if he would go. Austin Davis, thirty. What is he like? Thirty something? Yeah, he's like twenty-eight. I think he'll be a certified personal accountant yeah, somewhere. He's a, I need him. I don't he's know. Twenty-nine. There's, you're right. Yeah, yeah. There's no. There's no way that you would. You would go Davis over Magoo. Okay. Uh, I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go out on a limb here, guys. Russell Wilson will make this team. Okay. Uh, tight Seems end. Likely. Nick Nick Vanette, Will Disley, Tyrone Swoops, and Ed Dixon. Four guys fighting for three spots. If Dixon never gets on the field, give me Swoops. I'm not. I'm just done. I don't. I don't need to to have a guy that that never played. Like just Swoops has shown me he's a serviceable NFL player. I love the way he moves in the flat and get, to get catches. He's a good. He's a much better blocker than I thought he would be. Like I, I've been very impressed by his blocking this preseason. So yeah, I'm all about Swoops. Disley, Kevin, you love Disley. What do you love about him? Uh, what I love about him is that Disley is an extra offensive tackle when he's on the field that can actually catch the ball when you have him go out for routes. Uh, there was a run play, I believe it was in the second quarter in the long drive for points that we had, where there was a run over the end. Fluker got tripped up, fell. Mike Davis had to jump him. A Fetty blocked down very nicely. And then Disley proceeded to engage the uh, right defensive end and drive block him about three rows up into the stands. It was just an absolute clinic on anchoring the edge and drive blocking it was beautifully done and when you that's something we just haven't had this guy's quickly looking like the blocking tight end of michael dixon punting yeah he had he had set, he had a really good pass block rating too he did a really good job helping in the past game do you know who else had a good pass block rating in this game that's Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette, um, I kind of bagged on him as like, oh, he's the new Luke Wilson. Oh, he doesn't block that good. And he's making an effort to make me look dumb, which I, I feel appreciate. like he, he hasn't <laughs> yeah. seen the field enough. You know, Luke Wilson took a lot of those snaps. Luke Wilson is not as big as Nick Vanette. Nick Vanette has the strength to do it. I just think it's a matter of repetition for him. I think the other thing is that Vanette's a, an above average pass blocker, but I think he's a really average run blocker. And when he was getting built up as being the blocking tight end last year, I think we were all expecting him to be what Disley is. That's not Vanette's game. Vanette is a slightly above average net blocker. Like he's not going to be able to drive block someone completely out of the off the field, but he can 
catch a block in the second level and put a linebacker on his back. Yeah, and Swoops had the only tight end catch in this game. Uh, no other tight end uh, How many received, targets? received the uh, ball. One catch on one target. Vinette had one target and did not make the catch. Um, I want to say it was uh, one of those ones where the ball was wide. He didn't have a Did chance. Disley have a target, though? Uh, Disley no, did I didn't not have see a target. It. So, uh, elephant in the room... I don't really understand why the Seahawks jumped on non-punting Dixon, on Ed Dixon. I don't... Uh, uh, okay, I'll tell you this. I think that they expected him to feel the fill the role that Disley is filling right now, but I think he's more like Swoops than Disley. Uh, I just don't... Maybe the Seahawks didn't expect to be able to get Will Disley. Maybe they he wasn't on their radar and the things kind of just shifted in a draft in a way that they ended up getting him. It just seems like they... Um, they wanted a tight end that could block real good to kind of support Vanette in case he wasn't ready. And I, I would say Vanette's back and forth on that, right? Like some, he's a good pass blocker, but maybe not a great run blocker. I feel blocker. that, Nathan, but I also feel like we we didn't like break the bank for him, but we overpaid a little bit. Okay. I think we gave him a decent-sized contract. Yeah, that's fair. That's for him. I I mean, no no offense to a guy that we're going to cut. I just think that's like, but this way, I think we can move him as opposed to cut him. For like a fifth rounder? Or... Uh, back into the roster, like uh, a like maybe a better fifth corner, something like that. Okay. All right. So the offensive line. Um, I think we all agree when the the offensive line has continuity. Um, like when it's Brown, Postage, Britt, and Fluker, it doesn't really ma- seem to matter who the right tackle is. The offensive line looks mad decent. Looks super super okay. Uh, I will say, I think Fant looks cleaner out there than Afedi. Afedi is more likely to make a wow play than Fant. But Fant is really reliable. Afedi had a seal block in this game, though, where he just, like, came over and pushed a guy, like, all the way across. And I was like, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, it was that's on what the been, uh, that's Chris what Carson touchdown for. run. Yeah, he just uh, got to the second level and basically blocked two guys because he's so big. And, like, the, the thing is, is that there was no, like, directional gap that we really favored that was, like, crazy over the top, like, the team totals. Like, we ran good off left guard. We ran good off right guard. We ran good off right tackle. We ran good at middle right, middle left. Like, we... The, the runs were good no matter where we ran, which makes me really happy. Because, like, I, I hate when I look at the thing and it's super unbalanced. Yeah, Nathan, you pointed out I owe, uh, I owe Posich a, uh, an apology. Yeah, we ran, ran man enough to do that. Ran right over left guard, and he was up to the task. Yeah, he managed it. Uh, the other thing is, so here's my right tackle comparison. Uh, Jermaine Fetty is, this is for all you locals out here. Um, if your commute is from Puyallup to Seattle, Jermaine uh, Fetty is taking one six seven. You know, you <laughs> might get there really, really fast, but there's there's a very good chance that you a semi truck will turn over, and everything will be a mess, and you'll be three hours late. Whereas, uh, you know, uh, Fant is taking the side streets. You know, you'll never be there early. You'll never be there early, but you'll always be there on time. That's true. That's that's Fant right now. He'll get you there on time. Uh, yeah. I want, I want uh, to say something about this offensive line. Go for it. Is it's it's looking very good. I'm I'm a little hesitant, nervous to say anything really good about it. I just want to get to two injuries, two okay. injuries on the offensive line. Let's no. just let's just pick two injuries. Where are the Seahawks? Like uh, it, bad. Okay. Okay. Here's the thing. I think Odiambo is is fine uh, as a flex player. I think Beavers. We can use him as a flex player. Both those guys performed pretty good in this game. Odiambo had the best pro football focus rating of any of the offensive linemen. Uh, Joey Hunt actually was really good in this game. If we decide to keep a center for some reason, I think that that's a guy. We can kind of 
it looks like if we are balanced, which right now we've kept six running backs, six wide receivers, two quarterbacks, three tight ends. Um, if we want to stay balanced between offense and defense, that means we can keep like nine offensive linemen. So which I think it's a smart move because I'm not expecting, you know, God forbid a seasoning ender here. But what if we lose Brown for three games or we lose Britt for another three games? Like we have six games where we're not at 100%. In the NFL, that is very likely. So uh, so that's the nine guys I would predict is Brown, Posich, Britt, Fluker, Effetti, Fant. Those are the those six are rock solid. Like, yep, I yeah. don't think it's, and then, you know, if Jamarco Jones gets healthy, he's going to make the team. So he'll take the spot of of the other guy. But then the next guy is going to be like Odiambo, yeah. Beavers, and Hunt. Those are the other three guys besides Fant that will back up this offensive line. Jordan Roos, I think, has looked not good. He, he looks like he could get on this practice squad. Yeah, he's going to land on the practice squad. He There's, needs practice squad. J.R. Sweezy can't get on the field, so he's not going to make the team. Um, and I think Isaiah Battle, same thing. He needs to get on the field to beat Odiambo or Beavers because both those guys are kind of taking his spot as the swing tackle. Yeah, and I feel like it might be one of those things maybe Hunt makes the team until Jones gets healthy. If uh, Jones lands on the pup, if Jones doesn't land on the pup, I could definitely see Hunt being off the squad. Yeah, that, that's kind of... Because Posich can cover that center spot, like you've, like you've been saying all the time. I think Hunt will make the team as long as Jones isn't healthy, and that's kind of the flexible thing right there. But that I think this is... We're getting, we're getting a lot of clarity on who the offensive linemen are that are going to make in the season. It's going to be nine or ten guys... Uh, probably I would lean towards nine. Ten, if they keep a tenth guy, it'll be either Jamarco or Sweezy. Well, uh, and this was your big observation. Uh, when Fluker is out there, our right tackle position looks pretty good. As soon as Roos goes in for Fluker, no matter who's playing right tackle, they immediately look one I, tier worse as a player. And I should back this up. Like Roos had a forty-four point nine Pro Football Focus rating, twenty-eight point nine in the pass block. He um pat he went out to pass block. Here, let me look at the pressures. That pressure <laughs> summary. He pat. Uh, I should have clicked this before I started talking. I can fill for a it's second. Well, nope. uh, let me nope. s- I got oh. this. Jordan Roos went. He dropped. He gave up four pressures in in like only nineteen dropbacks. Like it's just not a good game. He just didn't have a good game. Well, looking at his his preseason, there are times where you know a Fetty. We say he doesn't know what to do uh, if someone moves around. Two him. pressures in seventeen. By the way, I got it now. I added wrong. Okay. I added the pressures oh. to the hits and the hurries, which is not what you're supposed to do. <laughs> <laughs> um, no, Roos, he just looks late to the party on most plays. That's what I look at is every time there's any kind of a stunt, even a simple X up, like we've been talking about for the last couple of years, every time there was a stunt, our offensive line didn't know what to do. Roos is in that spot right now. The rest of our offensive line knows what to do. And the problem is if Fluker's out there next to a Fetty, Fluker knows what to do, and it kind of leaves Effetti with a limited decision tree. Yeah. And he's like more likely to make the right decision. Right. Exactly. Uh, he just gets to react, which is... And when Effetti reacts, he's not bad. Yeah, he's fine. He's serviceable. Uh, the The thing is, when Fant was in there, when Roos would react wrong, Fant would still be able to hold a block... But Roos didn't understand how to, like, trade a defensive lineman. So you just end up with a free runner through his gap. Like, the thing is, it was gave us a lot of clarity in this last game, seeing Roos playing next to multiple tackles and making the exact same mistake multiple times. Yeah. All right. So let's go to the defense. Um, and I thought this defense looked mad decent in this game. Like, they were okay. Uh, the linebackers really struggled in coverage. Um both Bobby and KJ um, both had um, tr- struggle in coverage. Bobby was targeted 
three times, gave up three receptions for 40 yards. 26 of those yards are after the catch, which is a lot. And then KJ had was targeted three times, gave up two receptions, nine yards, eight of them after uh, contact. I mean, these guys were were like not having their best coverage game. And I thought it comes from the the inability. F- One, I, KJ was out of position a couple times. Uh, but the two, the, 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 the lack of ability for this team to get pass rush is really starting to impact the other guys on the team. Yes. the there, There's just not that much pressure in this game going down. Like the best pass rush rating on the team in this game, Justin Coleman had two hurries. Like that was our, that was our best pass rusher according to Pro Football Focus. So it's not... It's not looking great, in my opinion, in for the for the pass rush. Frank Clark was okay, but when Clark doesn't do it, I don't think there's anyone else in the starter rotation that really jumps out as like, oh yeah, that guy's going to be able to consistently get pressure well, against the top tier offensive lineman in the NFL. As this roster was thinning out in the offseason, you know, losing Michael Bennett, uh, losing uh, our 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 dear dear friend Sheldon Richardson, it it became apparent like, okay. We'll see what the draft class does. We'll see what you know how Naz Jones grows, and it it can't be all Rasheem Green. And I know that we have some great interior pass rush, but there's going to be some growing pains, and I'm not sure I dig the ends. I like and another thing too to think about is that this Minnesota offensive line is really banged up. Like this is not like oh Minnesota had a great offensive line last year. This is going to be so good. They're really dinged up on offensive on their offensive line, and they. They were struggling coming into this game, and I thought they did okay, you know, in this game. They only gave up four sacks, which consider, and most of them were two, like, backups. I, you know, Walden and Jackson got three of them after the starters were out. My problem is we used to depend on our ends and our just overall line for pressure, and now we're depending on being creative, I feel, every game. Yeah, I would say the blitz played a big role, and we've been doing more safety and corner blitzes. Yep. The Coleman other thing- came on those blitzes and actually got hurries. That was nice. Yeah, and our linebackers got good pressure on that. Bobby had a really nice sack that got called back on a defensive holding penalty on Shaq Griffin. Um, All right, so let's go first with let's start with the linebacker because I think it's one of the easier positions that's shake as it's shaking out. Um, we're keeping Mingo, Wagner, and KJ. We're definitely keeping Shaq. Okay, that leaves one or two spots. I think we'll keep six linebackers. Calitro and Martin seem to have pole position for that. Do you guys think that Pew or Beal or anyone else could jump in here? Nope. Alexander really lost his job by by not get, being able to get back on the field. I mean, he had a chance to win a special teams job, maybe win Cal- what, whatever Calitro is doing. Take that from him, but it's just over, I think. I thought Beal had his time to shine, but I, th- I think that time's done. All right, then. so then that leaves us with um, defense. Uh, let's do defensive line last. That one's like the hardest. All right, we got secondary. Um, the, t- the safety position is, is looking pretty clear, right? Um, McDougald, Alexander, yeah, there's Thompson, four guys Hill. for four spots. Four guys for four spots. There's yeah. not much. Tyson's uh, not good enough to make a team. He, uh, <laughs> he got murdered in coverage multiple times. I really like Mo Alexander. I feel like he he supports well in the run game. He's in the right spots. He's a he he reacts a little slow sometimes. Like I, he's behind the play a little bit, like a, in terms of the mentality. But he he does a good job of. Of making making the play, I thought uh, he played really solid in this game. Something I want people to keep in mind: Bradley McDougal's going to be our starting strong safety, but I think in a situation where Tedrick Thompson goes out, I think Bradley McDougal is our best backup free safety. I think that uh, Alexander and Hill Alexander. both play much better in the box. Yeah, Alexander would probably McDougal come in and yeah. play in space. McDougal, yeah, I agree. McDougal and, and Alexander would probably be the starting safeties in my opinion if they 
if they got it. I think they're going to mix Hill in just on like some snaps a game. He's a good athlete. I think he needs a little more seasoning. Uh, but he he's I mean he did a good job. He got two run stops in this game. Uh, I think we're going to see him. Or Alexander got three. And another thing I liked about Alexander is he got four. He got targeted four times and he did give up four receptions, but only thirteen yards. So like three yards, less than three yards of reception. He was he closed out those plays really fast. Um, okay, corner. Uh, we, we got Shaq Griffin, Justin Coleman, Byron Maxwell, and Trey Flowers. I don't think any of these other guys have played at a level to make it. Kevin, you disagree. What, which guy do you think has played his way into the conversation? I think Dante Johnson has. And what did you see from Dante in this last game? Uh, Dante Johnson, the big thing was that he held his own against a really talented Minnesota receiving core. And he started the game, too. He was the starter. He did. And honestly, it took me a little bit to realize it was him instead of Trey Flowers. I saw a very similar play as far as really crowding the receiver and using his length and his physicality to be in on the play. He bodied up receivers and made it really hard on them. I think that he's shown enough where I think he could push Maxwell for a spot. I think him and Flowers are both very promising young players. Um, I like Dante Johnson when we picked him up. I thought he was a guy that could easily fit in on this team. After this game, I don't know if I'm on... If I'm in as Kevin is, but I don't know. It'll be an interesting game four of the so preseason. if we keep Maxwell, we've left ourselves with eight spots for defensive linemen, which I think is fair, although there's more talent than that on this team. Uh, Brandon Jackson looked okay in this game. Jaron Reed, uh, did Jaron Reed, Jaron Reed didn't play, correct? Or, or no, he played 31 snaps and uh, got a missed tackle and uh, played really good against the run. Okay, that sounds like a Jaron Reed game yep. to me. Uh, Naz Jones was awesome in this game. Frank Clark was good and, and bottled up. He like switched very extremely between those two. Uh, so we got all these guys. We've got probably 10 guys that I can just see justify keeping. Um, pick your eight. I'm going to read the names for you that I think could make the team. You ready? Brandon Jackson, Jaron Reed, Nazar Jones, Frank Clark, Quinn Jefferson, Shamar Steven, Tom Johnson, Rasheem Green, Puna Ford, and Dion Jordan. I'm cutting off Ricky Alafua, Joey Ivy, and Josh Forrest. I think that there's just too many guys in the way. Uh, Kevin, who's your eight, who's your final eight here? This is a really challenging cut, and I do not envy the person who has to make this decision. Are uh, we assuming Deion Jordan's on the pup list? Can we do that? To make I think it easier? we should, yes, please. <laughs> just because logically that's going to happen. So then we're looking at keeping uh, Reed, Jones... Yep, Clark. Johnson and Stefan. I think those are an easy four for interior. Yep, and then you got to choose Clark, Green, Green, and then now you're choosing Jefferson, 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 and now you got Ford and now or I'm Jackson, on Ford or Brandon Jackson, and that's hard. Brandon Jackson brings a little more outside rush. Puna Ford has has the look of a special run stopper, in my opinion. The way he's creating low leverage, the way he he had um, three tackles in the last game, all run stops. A very, very impressive showing for Puna Ford. There's no way you can cut him. I just don't <clears throat> I don't see that there's anything that warrants a cut for Puna Ford. Honestly, with the situation the way it is, I think we're more likely to cut a corner and keep nine on the D-line. There you go. So keep Brandon like Jackson and Puna Ford and cut Brandon, Byron Maxwell. That's what your, is what is what does Byron Maxwell bring to the table? And let me let me or remind both. You can go back in time and cut like a wide receiver instead. I mean, I could see us totally keeping five wide receivers. Uh, yeah, I, I could know, see him taking Keenan Reynolds' spot. Someone, I, to be honest with you, Mike Davis is not doing anything on special teams. You, I could totally see Mike Davis getting cut for 
like one of these defensive linemen. Uh, that's hard because of the injuries at running back right now. And sure, also, Mike, no one's picking up Mike Davis. The team can get him back at their leisure. Chris Carson, Rashad Penny, J.D. McKissick, and C.J. Procise, I think is a, a solid four. And you, you're three deep in the first game if Penny's not ready. You're still okay. I think you're looking at special teams, though, with the offerings that are there. I don't I don't really see us cutting Reynolds in the, in the wide receiver game. I feel Byron Maxwell, I mean, you guys... Nobody in this room really liked him last year. No, we we thought that he performed serviceably. Like serviceably, he was he was a slightly above average. And he's another year older, and he he will create some turnovers. Ah, but that means he's another year wiser, Eric. Ah, that. But he's also another year slower. You sold me on him. Now I I don't know, man. I just feel like if you're gonna cut somewhere, cut the the older player that relies on agility. The position that relies on agility and speed. I think that Dante Johnson, which is every sorry position. 49ers fan, and by sorry 49ers fan, I mean screw you 49ers fans. <laughs> uh, I think Dante Johnson has the makings of a solid cornerback in this system. I think that he can do the same things that Maxwell can do. So if I'm choosing between them, I'm taking Johnson. I would be surprised if we kept five corners. It just doesn't seem like what the team is angling to do right now. Nine uh, defensive backs seems like a small amount for a team. It does, but I mean the the safeties are solid four. Like I don't I don't think we need anyone else. Those four guys are all really good. And then corner, I mean yeah, it's worrying. Five it seems like we need five, but I just don't think there's five guys I really want here unless Byron is fully healthy. I mean Thorpedo, I would love to see the Thorpedo come back, but he just I mean it's right now, you just haven't seen him yet. Yeah. The only other thing is does Shamar Steven not make it? No, I think that Shamar Steven is so far from the chopping block, Kevin. Like I, I feel I don't like know. all those players have played really well, but maybe it's one of those things I would where they Tom, figure out a way to package and move. I would cut Tom Johnson before I'd cut Shamar Steven. So maybe they find a way to trade Tom Johnson or something. I feel like... I could see that. Like I them, feel like our interior defensive talent is good enough that someone would trade us like a low-end draft pick or six a rounder. slight upgrade like. Um, a, an upgrade at backup middle linebacker or okay. something like that. I've been holding on to this. You're speaking about upgrading defensive line. I've been holding on to this for the whole podcast, okay? Oakland Raiders are on the phone. They've been shopping Khalil Mack. They say, hey, we will give you Khalil Mack for Frank Clark, Earl Thomas, and a second-round draft pick. Okay? Eric, what is your response to this trade offer? Oh, man, I sure would like to give away that third-round draft pick. Um, you know, everyone in this room knows and who listens to this podcast how much I love Earl Thomas. He's my favorite Seahawk. Maybe my favorite Seahawk of all time. He's, yeah, he's certainly on that. It's Earl and Cam for you are like your top two. I already yeah, and, know. And, and uh, <clears throat> you know, Kenny Easley's up there all the time as well. I, I don't see him playing on this team, uh, unfortunately, because the Seahawks are not going to offer him a contract. I have a question for you, Eric. Yeah. Odell Beckham Jr. got a huge contract extension yesterday. Uh, or today, actually, right? Yeah. Uh, Odell Beckham Jr. gets a huge contract extension, quarterback money at wide receiver. And the, the Giants so said that the big reason they rewarded him is because he showed up to camp, showed he was committed to the Giants. Yes. And then they were like, we know that your heart's in this. We want you to be a Giant. Do you think the Seahawks were looking for that same level of commitment from Earl? I think that's a possibility. Especially, I'm going to keep going back to it because I love him, but I got to be honest. That Dallas game last year, I don't get it. I mean, I appreciate Earl's... Uh, editorial his column in the Players Tribune, but what the hell were you thinking? If you're such a team player and you're you on so much, you're on a team in the playoff hunt too. What are you doing? What are you doing? And for those that don't remember, he ran up to Jason Garrett and said, "If you got a chance, come get me." I get it. 
But what you're doing is you're basically, you, you, you're with a girl and you see a girl that you've just always had feelings for and you go up to her and you say, man, it sure would be great to date you. What's your girlfriend going to do? You think she's going to like that? Absolutely not. So going back to your original question, Khalil Mack, Earl, I love you. If you can help us get Khalil Mack, go. Uh, Frank Clark, oh, I love Frank Clark, but it's Khalil Mack. Uh, second rounder, man, I just I just want to get a little more, so I want to give a little less. Take that third rounder. Uh, this is a really hard one because I feel like losing Frank Clark to get Khalil Mack, you're getting a dominant pass rusher, but you're kind of losing our best complementary piece for Khalil Mack. If we could figure out a way to trade from a different spot, because I feel like you put Frank Clark and Cleo Mack across from each other, and suddenly Frank Clark is real good. But what about first rounder KJ and Earl? I do that. You said if you if it was KJ instead of Frank Clark, mm-hmm. so KJ Earl and, and a, a second or a third, I'd probably do that. I, what if it's a first? No. Really, I do. First, first. picks are too valuable. Not to the Khalil- Seahawks. How about this? You ready? Khalil Mack, past three years, fifteen sacks, eleven sacks, ten and a half sacks, and last on all three of those years, his defense was not good. Okay, I'm just gonna throw that out there. This defense was a, a bad defense. He was the like only good player or one of a few good players on the team. He's a two times first team All Pro. He's the one, maybe the best pass rusher in the entire NFL. One of the top three. Um, I think it's hard to argue. I would, I would, I would definitely make that trade in, in a in a cocaine herbie. I wouldn't even wait. Um, Earl Thomas is not going to play for us anyway, and he re- represents such a huge upgrade over Frank Clark. I love Frank. I think he's a really good football player. He's very cheap right now, um, but Mac is going to be one of the two or three highest paid defensive players in the league, and he totally deserves it. Um, there you go. That's my opinion on on that. Uh, one. Uh, last thing before we uh, we hit the road, um, we get fifty three men on the roster, so I guess we can keep all those defensive linemen. All right, uh, I, I only, only added up to fifty two. I'm an idiot. Um, okay, it's fine. Uh, that's that's pretty much it. And I managed to hit us both on the uh, the NFL story of the week and the Seahawks story of the week. There's not too much else uh, going on. I feel like in the thing, um, Tanner McAvoy got cut. Eric, you uh, you no. you. You said Tanner McAvoy make a team. I'm just kidding. Uh, you are the Tanner McAvoy <laughs> apologist. No. Explain yourself. <laughs> we'll always remember this one play, the, the the Tanner McAvoy play. Eric, what was the Tanner McAvoy play? Are you talking about his? Wait, because he his had touchdown two. throw. I was gonna say he had two because he also had a really important uh, postseason catch. But yeah, it's a touchdown throw. Uh, my apologist, I don't know. He's not as good as Magoo, but maybe with time he could have been. I don't know. <laughs> so you're saying we could have used him as a wide receiver slash backup quarterback slash... That uh, is exactly what we used teamer. him as. Um, <laughs> Tanner, Tan, Tanner McAvoy and Well, you know what? Maybe that's why Maybe that's why Keenan Reynolds has a secret shot to make the team. Because he's also a college he's, quarterback. Yeah, he's, he's the yeah. option quarterback. Yeah. And uh, so is Swoops. So Oh, yeah. So we've got all kinds of backup quarterbacks. Yeah, that's that's why McAvoy is expendable. He's no longer special. We're going to cut Magoo and Dave. Davis. <laughs> it's going to be just nobody backing up Russell. And if we get in a bad situation, here comes Swoops. That's it. We're running the wishbone with Keenan Reynolds and have Swoops. You, have you guys ever met like a, uh, you know, a, if you're at a rich luncheon or, or someone, a guy who gives a lot of money and there's that rich guy who's young, but he, he's like an investment banker. That is Austin Davis in real life. He's just, he's a little dude, very handsome, 
Looks like he comes from money. By Austin Davis. <laughs> Sorry. Just want to go on a little mini rant. I like how we're talking about Tanner McAvoy, but you found the opportunity to throw more shade at... You You, you brought out Austin Davis, and I just had so much to say. Is Austin I'm Davis sorry. related to Verlander? Of, What's, of, ooh. of any of the players that are getting cut, or likely to get cut, is there anybody that you just like makes you really sad? It just like really like hurts your soul? You really wish they were like sticking around? You really... Because I have a guy. I I love the development of Cyril Grayson. I feel like he's come a really long way as a kick returner. He actually is a not horrible wide receiver now. I just, I, I really, I don't know. I just had a soft spot for him because he never played football, you know. And he just comes in. He works his ass off. He runs so fast. And then just, he's done. So bye-bye Cyril Grayson. I don't think he has any shot to make the team at this point. Uh, for me, it's Demorie Stringfellow. He's a player I really like watching in college. And he's the exact kind of like slightly bigger physical outside receiver that I really wanted us to have last year. And then we kind of loaded up on those guys. And now we have enough where we don't need him this year. Right. So like, he's the player that we needed last year. He's like a, if we did, if we didn't have Brandon Marshall, maybe he'd have a shot right now. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, I will say outside of Earl Thomas, um, and this is, this is not something anybody wants to hear. It's it's that cut (laughs) that we're not going to see coming because that happens every year. But this time next week, that's the player that I'm upset about. Maybe that's Puna Ford. It's a cut you didn't oh, see coming. No, if Puna Ford gets cut, I am going to be like a little. It's, 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 I'll be kind of salty. It's He's Bradley McDougal. I don't know. He might be our. Dude, we're not cutting him and Reed are our best run stuffers. You put Puna Ford and Jaron Reed in the middle, and you're just basically putting a roadblock with a keep out sign. I'm going to say I'm going to be really sad if Nico Thorpe doesn't make the team, even though I feel like he's kind of on the outside looking in right now. Uh, great personality, great special teams player, just a really fun guy to have on the football team. Uh, he's real easy, easy, you know. So uh, I will if Nico Thorpe can't get can't get back on the field and they have to, you know, football injury him or or put him on the IR. I don't think he'll end up on a different roster. I think he'll either get IR'd or he'll uh, he'll come back. So and he'll fight for that last cornerback spot. All right, that's it for our uh, Seahawks news this week. Uh, for If you want to help the Seahawks Nest podcast, uh, next week we actually get to preview a real NFL football game, guys. Woo! I'm so excited. You have no it's idea. Overdue. If you want to, uh, and next week on our Patreon podcast, we get to pick our win. So if you like our... If you 16 like our, games in 16 minutes. If you like our game, if you like our content and you want to hear us picking the NFL games and you want to support the Seahawks Nest podcast, head over to patreon.com slash Seahawks Nest where you'll find our picks. Um, we pick straight up every week, six, all 16 games, uh, 16 minutes, or if there's buys, you know, a couple less. Uh, we... We uh, run through. We keep track of how well we did. Last year, we crushed every ESPN quote-unquote expert. And, uh, sure. and it was a lot of fun. Uh, mm-hmm. So we also do a couple little extra fun extras in there every season, some videos and stuff like that. Uh, also, if you, you don't have any money and you can't go to patreon.com slash SeahawksNest and you want to support, go to iTunes. Give us five stars. Um, the, the iTunes review thing is weird where like the more iTunes reviews we get, the the more we can like really jump up the rating. So when people go to iTunes and they search the word Seahawks and we pop right up right now, we're at 36 five star dang 36. We went about like 10 in one week. You guys are crushing it. I'm like very pleased with all of you. You all make me happy. 34 last week. Oh, because we were on the quest for 43. 
Oh, we were, oh, 43 is the number we're going for. Okay. Yeah. yeah okay, I got it. I thought, 30, I thought 34 was the number we were going for. That's a very sexy learning disability there. Uh, <laughs> dysgraphia. Six, six, yeah. No, it's, it's dis, dysnumeria. <laughs> I don't dysgraphia. Know. Dysgraphia. Yeah, there you go. I was like, I know this one because I'm a teacher. Uh, so, so then, but it's uh, August, so we're kind of, we're easing our way into you teaching. Don't, yeah. Another thing, too, is you don't even have to download iTunes anymore. You can just make an iTunes account, log into the website, and write the review. Um, so that may, that's pretty cool. Uh, if you also, if you like are on social media, Twitter, Facebook, um, Reddit, and you want to like, just post our podcast for us on that, that's really nice. It helps us a lot. It also points things back to our SoundCloud page, which is pretty cool. Uh, if you, so those are ways you can help us out, help out the Seahawks Nest podcast. Now we have a lot of time for this movie club and we picked a movie that I don't think we're going to talk about for very long. (laughs) Well, so, this, so this, might, we have? this might get weird. We have like 20 minutes, dude. Are you, gonna, are you wow. just going to blindly give us a... Podcast? Well, it's because I didn't, I didn't mess around with like any like goofy NFL stories this week or like... because it's, it's all so serious at this point. See, so we had time for me to talk more about the defensive line before you cut me off. You know what? Let's, let's, put this, <laughs> let's put this after the jump so that people who turn it off for the, for, the, um, for the movie club don't get to enjoy Kevin's very into Punt Hub. Oh. Kevin, Kevin, take us to Punt Hub. <laughs> All right, Seahawks. If you fans. could see the way he leaned into that this microphone, is, you would throw up. This is what he does. He is he has never been so passionate about anything on the uh, podcast. Sorry, let me go to my uh, my game three preseason notes and find my punting notes. Oh yeah, and wow. Kevin's is... Kevin's about to get some uh, some real high deep Michael Dixon. Into our podcast, I didn't right? Think That's right. I'm going to drive this one straight inside your 20. <laughs> so deep in my 20. Dang it! I can't believe this is happening right now. This That's is the it. worst. <laughs> and by worst, you mean best. Uh, can so, I just say? Can I? Can I do my soapboxing before you go into yes, this? Yes, go ahead. Uh, I know we're all excited about Michael Dixon. I know he's very good at football. I understand that he is quite possibly a like fringy rookie of the year candidate. <laughs> That's no, so awesome. but but listen to listen to this very clearly. Punting is on like fourth and short is very bad, especially in the middle of the field. So don't don't be discouraged if the team goes for it in the middle of the field, even though we have punting a punting god. Okay, we just need we need to understand that situation should determine this more than the fact that we have a good punter this guy can turn the field and that's what we should be using him for kevin what were your favorite punts of the week all right so my favorite one you know you never forget your first and dixon's <laughs> first punt uh came oh after our gosh. opening three and out which it hey, was a kevin why don't you slow it down a little no need to rush it's the first time you know this. Let's let's be honest. It only takes like we 30, paint 30 a real seconds. picture um, here at the Seahawks Nest, um, and I'm done. <laughs> uh, so the so Dixon uh, boots one high, and it's one of those where it looks like it's going to sail back in the end zone. It bounces on like the three, and then just kind of veers off to the right and shoots out of bounds. And the Vikings home announcers immediately started talking about how good our punter was. You know your punter's impressive when the other team's announcers feel the need to brag about your punter. That is pretty high praise. It's pretty sexy. So, just to cut it down to its bare bones here, the basic statistics, uh, Michael Dixon, five punts, 53.6 yard average, a long of 61 and two punts inside the 20. 
the fact of the matter is, as Nathan said, there's situations where you don't want to punt, but Michael Dixon, perhaps the ultimate punting weapon. He is the Jean-Claude Van Damme of punting. And that's uh first three movies of Jean-Claude Van Damme. <laughs> hey, can I can I can I say something really quick that has nothing to do with this? Can I, it's Mariners I'm not related. Stop you. It's Mariners uh, related. No. Here we go. No. Felix Hernandez, just for old times, Kevin. Felix Hernandez, seven innings, two runs, nine Ks, two walks. Great start. Mariners down two zero, just for old times. All right. Oh, wow. uh, <laughs> Hashtag throwback Tuesday. <laughs> All right. Let's now let's get into <laughs> it. Um, we uh, we always look through the new releases for links to <laughs> movies. You gotta that love it, these guys. We always look through the Mariners new release. Baseball. We always look <laughs> through, the, through the new releases for links to this week's uh, to, for links to movies from this week's new releases. Um, this week, Oscar Isaac uh, has a new movie coming out. It's called uh, I don't remember what it's called. Operation Finale. Operation Finale. <laughs> it sounds like a made up movie. And then it so, does. Sonoya Mizuno is in Crazy Rich Asians, which has topped the the box office two weeks in a row. Uh, they both starred in a movie. That came out in 2014. That's right. It was Ex Machina. The um, Alex Garland written and directed feature that kind of... He was the guy who wrote 28 Days Later. Um, he, this was his like directorial debut. Uh, Kevin, I know that you've most recently watched this movie. And uh, what, did, what, did you, uh, what did you think of Mex, Ex Machina? Do you want me to go through the quick synopsis? Yeah, sure. Go for it. Okay, so Ex Machina starts off with... Um... It's a thriller. It is, and it does a pretty good job of immediately putting you slightly kind of off, uh, uh, like off center. So, uh, uh, is it Domhall Gleason? Is that how you say his name? Yep. Uh, so Domhall Gleason plays Caleb, um, who's a programmer, and it shows him like winning a contest at the beginning, and then it immediately switches to him being dropped off in the middle of friggin' nowhere by a helicopter. And after winning this contest, he gets to go meet Nathan, Oscar Isaac's character, who is like this reclusive um, programmer who works for the same company as him. Who owns the company, I believe it is. Yeah. And And he's made a robot that can pass the Turing test. Yeah. He's the big thing is he's like a wunderkind um, who's now like kind of reclusive. And so you immediately are on edge with his character because you never really feel like, you know, like you never get a good grasp of what kind of a person Nathan is in the entire, uh, in the entire movie. And Oscar Isaac does a really good job of kind of keeping you off. This movie only works because Oscar Isaac is such a good actor. Like it would not work if someone lesser than him was trying to do what he was doing. Like yeah. he, he crushes in this movie. He absolutely does because you completely like lose him in the character. And then uh, Domal Gleason does a great job. The Caleb character is he's a perfect dupe because you know the entire time that he's being duped, and you spend the entire movie trying to figure out who is duping him. You cannot figure out, is it uh, Oscar Isaac's character, Nathan, that has him, like, that's, like, playing him and brought him in for the test? Or is it Alicia Vikander, who plays uh, Ava, Ava, the artificial intelligence, who very quickly on, you realize, appears to be seducing him. And you can't tell if things are genuine or if they're not. There's some morality questions that start being raised this kind of puts a really interesting spin on AI and human rights. Uh, it's got a kind of a high a high-minded message. So in the same way that like 28 days later 
really leaves you with some things to think about. I feel like Ex Machina does the same thing. Uh, I know it's not a movie that everyone's going to like, and it has a weird vibe. It's and it's kind of like a and there's it's two, like a real medium burn too. It's not like yeah, it's, it's I'd say it's a slow burn. Yeah. It's a slow burn until it starts to snowball. Twenty four releases a lot of movies like this where it's like you it really like takes time to get going. Yeah, it's definitely a story and character driven movie for sure. You don't really get action until later, but it kind of gives you just enough uh, to keep you interested if you can handle a slow burn. The other thing with this movie is that some people are turned off because it has a few places that could have been the ending. And depending on who you are, you might like one of the potential endings more than what ended up actually being the ending. And so some people feel very let down because there's two or three spots where you're like, oh, that's what's going on. And then the movie keeps going and you're like, okay. And then it's like, oh, so that's what was good. And then the movie keeps going. And so if one of those two spots in the Choose Your Own Adventure felt like where you wanted to bail on your bookmark, ah. then you might not feel great about the very end of the movie. It reminds me a lot of, like, Frankenstein. Like, the the themes of the book Franken Frankenstein. It's very much like a modern-day take on that concept. Yeah. I would agree. So, uh... All right, so that's um, that's Ex Machina. And because we have extra time, bonus, there's another movie that had strong links to this week's box office, and that is Lego Batman. Now, Kevin has not you seen Lego Batman, and he, has, and he has not seen it. So me and Eric are going to tell you why we like the Lego Batmans. Uh, Eric, start us off. What do you love about Lego Batmans? Well, as uh, easily the biggest nerd uh, in this block, maybe in the city. Uh, Bold claim, <laughs> Oh, come on, man. Uh, well, in Auburn, anyway. I loved all the characters they just uh, they threw in this movie. Every Batman villain is in this movie. Condiment King is in this movie. <laughs> Killer Moth is in this movie. Uh, I'll be a bit patent pending. Uh, patent pending. I do not think is in this movie. There's a that lot. Been a really good opportunity. There's a. He's right. There's a lot of like cool. There. There's a lot of villains in this movie, and they're voiced by like every single voice is like a little like um. It's like a little Easter egg because yeah. there's so many like famous comedians, famous people, and they did one thing that I thought was really cool, Eric. Yes. Who's plays Two Face in this movie? Oh, uh, I knew this. I know this. Um, uh-huh. It's the original Two Face from from Tim Burton's oh, Batman. Is Wait, is it really Billy D? It's Billy D. Williams, which I think is a really cool. Oh, throwback I was thinking because, Green Lantern. I'm sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Billy D. Originally took the part. Of Harvey, of Harvey Dent. Dent because they said you could be Two Face if we ever use Two Face, and then they had to buy him out of being Two Face when they wanted Tommy Lee Jones to do it. Yes, and they should have done Billy D. Williams. Yeah, and so Billy D. gets to be uh, Two Face in this. My movie. favorite uh, side note, my favorite note in uh, that '89 Batman that never gets old is Harvey Dent's speech. Mayor, we have to be tough on crime. It's just <laughs> it's Billy D. being Billy D. It's great. All right, so. So um, there's lots of there's Williams. lots of gags in this movie and songs and stuff that are like really really fun. Uh, Galifianakis is awesome as the Joker. Joker. Uh, oh, who does the voice of Bane? Uh, the Bane is Doug Benson. No, okay, which is funny because <laughs> it's Doug Benson from uh, marijuana smoking uh, comedian Doug Benson. Yes, he's, yes, he's doing the Tom Hardy voice, <laughs> yeah. and he does it as well as everyone else. Everyone, <laughs> everyone. <laughs> <laughs> you're you're going to die, Batman. Like when uh, Batman just punches him and pushes him over. Ow! Oh. Jason Manzukis is Scarecrow. Uh, yes. Conan, Conan O'Brien is the Riddler. 
uh ricky lindholm is poison ivy like they this there's so many uh jermaine clement is this sauron that part where they had they're in the phantom zone and like voldemort and sauron and king kong are there yeah uh, seth, green, <laughs> seth green was king kong it was like the dumbest thing but it works i mean there's uh who who plays Green Lantern? That's like a fairly big name that I was thinking of when you were thinking. Uh, uh, it's Jonah Hill. Yeah, that's all right. I thought for when you said Harvey Dent, I wanted to say Jonah Hill, and I knew that wasn't right. It seems like uh, Michael Sarah's in this movie as Robin. Yep, Michael Sarah's. He does a good job too. Yeah, uh, it's uh, Rosario Dawson's Batgirl, and of course uh, Will Arnett is a fine, fine voice for Batman. Oh, and Jenny Slate's Harley Quinn. She's great. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, yeah. I I thought this movie was like really good. Oh, Mariah Carey's the mayor too. <laughs> I don't know if you knew that. Mm-mm yeah so so yeah um i think like if you love batman and you like want just to if you can just like let go because this movie is goofy it's a little it's a little silly but it's lego batman I these mean, lego movies do a great job of just steering directly into themselves and well, they, they manage to jam so much stuff into this movie without it seeming um bloated over yes it's 104 minutes long there's like a million characters in this movie we've mentioned them all i think uh but like they yeah they just well they make it so it's for kids kids will love it uh, there's a you don't really realize how many Lego fans there are in your life until some a movie like this comes out and you're like wow I didn't all these people collected Legos. Uh, adults can watch this movie with their kids and not be annoyed and they hit the the buttons on the nerds like me to be like hey I want to see this. It's a really smart move on their part. Yeah. So um, especially you, as bad as Justice League. So here's what I want you everyone to do <laughs> to help us out. Just decide which do you like better. Did you like the Lego movie better or Ex Machina? These movies are so different. I'm really interested. Oh, to see, I kind of want to get an idea of like, what is our audience like? What's the Seahawks Nest fans like? Are they a Lego movie audience or a, uh, or a uh, Ex or a Machina? high concept sci-fi? Yeah, because I mean, it will give me an idea of what kind of movies we should really lean into in the future. Because these are both movies that we would like to uh, review. I so, can't wait for the high concept sci-fi family comedy. That's really the one I'm waiting for. High concept science Galaxy fiction Quest. family comedy. Galaxy. Oh crap! You're right. That movie's great too. <laughs> yeah, nice job, Eric. That was yeah. like very impressive. Nailed it. All right. So for Eric Ronnebeck and Kevin Garber, I'm Nathan Santo. We will see you next week. Go Hawks. Let's go, man.